What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Why Jesus podcast, answering life's most important question, Why Jesus? We are now on episode 17, and I'm extremely excited for the guests that we have with us today and the discussion and the topics we're going to be talking about today. Uh, this is going to be something that you're going to want to share with your friends and your family. If you are tuning into the live right now, hit that share button and go send this out to everybody. If you're listening on the streaming services, Spotify, Apple, all of that, make sure that you copy and paste the link and send it to your friends because they're going to want to hear what we're talking about. So I have with me today, Miss Titus. Miss Titus, how are you doing? I'm doing well, bro. How are you? I am phenomenal, uh, and I'm really excited for us to get into what we're going to be discussing tonight. Um, just real quick, let me close this. Boom, quit. There we go. All right, so really excited about what we're going to be getting into tonight. We're going to be discussing urban apologetics. We're also going to be hearing your, your testimony, and as well as talking about the work that you've done exposing uh, the cultish side of... Uh, Greek sororities. I'm, I'm really interested to talk to you about that. But before we do anything, just tell us your testimony. How did you come to Christ? Sure. Well, I was raised in church, so I don't have any major horror stories, or at least not some of the horror stories that I've heard online, right? But I was raised in church. My parents came up in like a really apostolic type, legalistic type church, but then they moved from their small town to like a, a bigger city nearby. And so I grew up in a non-denominational church. And one of the things I loved about our pastor there is he put a big emphasis on Bible reading. He didn't want to be the only person in the church that knew the Bible. So he would challenge the entire church to read through the entire Bible in a year. And everyone who did this would get to go to like some fancy dinner. And so I'm a foodie and I really like had a desire at a young age to know what the Bible said, because I hated being in church and being like, okay, where's the book of Job? <laughs> like, oh, it's Job, not Job. Okay, where, like, I don't know where, yes, I don't know where First John is. Like, I, I wanna know this stuff. So I took the time when I was 12 years old, I started in January and I think I finished by like late November, December, but I just, or late November, early December. And that gave me a really good foundation for what was in the Bible. Um, but before that, like I, I remember coming to faith, I want to say maybe I was seven or eight years old. It was like one day it hit me that I was a sinner. I just knew like I, I have done wrong. I have wronged people. I've done a lot of wrong and God is going to judge me. And so I want to make sure that when I leave here, that me and me and the Lord are all right. Now, I don't know how much you can really do at eight years old, but I just felt this guilt. And I was like, if they say that Jesus is the way and that I, I won't go to hell if I accept Jesus, like. I'm going to roll with Jesus. And I've just, just pretty much been doing that ever since. I mean, obviously, you, as you grow older, becoming a teenager, college and all this stuff, like sometimes you'd be like, why in the world? Why did I do that? But I've always had my faith to ground me and, and like pull me back in like, OK, girl, <laughs> OK, this lifestyle that your friends are living and that all these other people are living, it doesn't work. So um i i love the lord i love reading his word and i'm sure we'll get into all this later but that's part of the reason why i became or i got involved in apologetics so that's the shortened version of my testimony that's that's awesome i always get excited to talk to people who grow up in the church because i have like the complete opposite 
testimony. I grew up in things I should not grow up in. Um, uh, but I, I always love it. And it, you're not the first person that I've heard that at a young age accepted Christ. Like you just knew, right? And it's so awesome that you grew up in a, a good church that cared about reading the Bible. There's so many uh, sermons and preachers nowadays who will, you know, they'll grab two, three verses uh, from different parts of the Bible and just build a motivational speech out of it. And then uh, there you go. There, there's your fill for the weekend, right? And then you don't learn anything. So that's really dope. And I think food would have driven me as well <laughs> to, um, to, you know, you, we get to go to dinner. I'm in there. All I got to do is read this book. I am in there. So when I was, uh, when I was an atheist or agnostic, I still had these thoughts of maybe I should read the Bible because what if heaven is real? And what if when I get there, he just asked me one thing and is like, hey, did you read the Bible while you had all these years on earth? And and if my answer was no, that could be the reason that I would go to hell. Now, I know better now. Obviously, I did not read the Bible because if I did, I would have known that reading the Bible doesn't get you into heaven. <laughs> but uh, yep. so just before we get into, you know, urban apologetics and everything, I just want to kind of dig a little bit more into into growing up in the church and growing up in a in a good church mm -hmm. what is that like because i hear so many i grew up in a church that was not good but i knew jesus was real so you have this unique story of mm -hmm. i grew up in a church that was a good church and i've loved jesus ever since it was just obvious to me so tell us just a little bit more about that maybe some highlights from it yeah, I had a great pastor growing up he's still influential to me to this day like i'm very inspired by him he he was, I think he went to school for psychology. So education was a big deal to him. And there's some pastors who you feel like they have the education, but do they really have that relationship with the Lord? Like I saw both of those with this pastor. Um, but we, you know, we had, we had teens ministry Wednesday night Bible study. So every Wednesday night religiously for at least 10 or 15 years, like my family was at Bible study. We were at church on Sundays, you know, we had vacation Bible school. And so there, of course, there's these cringe moments, like growing up in a good church definitely has, like, there's sometimes I think I'm like, I can't believe this happened to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the church is not perfect. I know people are like, well, why isn't the church perfect? Because there's people there. Like we get on our nerves, on each other's nerves. We make mistakes. People have hurt me. I have hurt people. All of that happened to me growing up in church but I would not trade it for anything. Like there are some things I thought I wasn't allowed to do that I later found out, oh, I have the freedom to do that. And then there were points where you feel like, I think I'm missing out because my parents tell me I can't listen to this kind of music. I can't go to this place. I can't do this. I can't do, it's just, you feel like I can't, I can't, I can't. But then in hindsight, you realize that was the Lord protecting me all this time. And so I am so grateful <laughs> to have been introduced to Christianity at the age that I was, you know, again, and not at all a perfect person, my goodness, not perfect, but God has been perfect, right? I'm just like, God, you've been so good. You've been so faithful. So yeah, growing up in church, even with all the problems and stuff, I can say it gives you an opportunity to you know, sing in front of people. I like to sing. So being on the praise team, I was on the dance team. I'm not a dancer, but I was on the dance team for a little while. What else? You know, you, you practice public speaking. So there's a lot of good 
skills that you get being in church that sometimes you don't even realize. I mean, even being in children's church and being in teen Bible study, you're reading the Bible. We live in a time now where people don't like to read books. So in church, you're you're constantly reading through this book called the Bible. And I had the opportunity to do the the whole read the Bible in a year several times after that. So it really showed me the character of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament and seeing, you know, all these things like people say these awful things about God, but I was able to know before I heard those arguments that it was baloney because I'm like, I read this book. This guy really loves us. He really cares about us. And he tells us not to do things, not because he doesn't want us to enjoy life, but because he's trying to protect us from the evil in the world. So yeah, that's, that's what it's like growing up in church. At least that was my experience. That's awesome. And what's, what's also interesting too, is, you know, we think about these, oh yeah, well, I can't do that. A lot of people do not want Christianity because they feel that it's going to restrict them. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is since I became a Christian, it was like, I just didn't want to do those things anymore. So it's not like I gave anything up. It's, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. I don't like doing that stuff anymore. I feel good when I do the stuff that God wants me to do. And I feel bad when I do the stuff that God doesn't want me to do. So I don't want to do that. And it's not like this guilty, oh man, I'm messing up in front of God. It's not that. It's just this, I can't explain it. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't explain what that what that like, nah, bro, don't do that. You, you know what, what that feels like, or when you're doing it, he's like, he's like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you doing? It's so, it's so night and day. I, I wish I could just like give people a taste of it. All we can do is give them the gospel though. They gotta, they gotta go taste it for, for themselves. But yeah. anyway, so how did we end up where you're at now? Uh, all into apologetics. First, for those of you who are listening who do not know what apologetics is, it's the defense of the Christian faith. Apologetics in general is just defending something, but it's it's overall known to be the defense of the Christian faith. And apologetics is how I came to be a Christian. That was a big tool that God used because I didn't even know there was evidence for the resurrection of Christ. I didn't even know there was evidence that he was an actual historical figure. I didn't know any of this stuff. And here I am thinking Christianity is stupid. I don't even know what they believe. You know, I I think I know what they believe. I think they don't have good reason to believe what they believe. And because of my ignorance, I'm looking down on it. When, when I dug into apologetics and I dug into the, um, the reasons of why people believe Jesus rose from the dead, I was like, wow, there's actually a whole lot of evidence for this. So that's what apologetics is. Now you, specifically you you know you do general apologetics but from what i've noticed on your channel a lot of urban apologetics so if you could explain to uh people who don't know what that is what is it urban apologetics deals more so with the the cults that are rampant in these inner cities and so urban apologists are normally going to touch on groups like hebrew israelites the egyptology or comedic science type stuff, uh, African spirituality, um, Nation of Islam. So those types of groups are where that, that's where the urban apologists, um, where they touch on often. Yeah. Yeah. My brother works in the city and he, uh, he's been yelled at by, uh, some Hebrew Israelites a few times. And he's like, what? My brother's a, uh, atheist. And he's like, I don't know what, what, 
what are these guys' problems, John? Like whenever he, he deals with anything that involves God, he comes to me asking me questions. And I'm like, yeah, those guys, they are not Christian. So don't associate them. He's like, good, good. <laughs> yeah. So talk to us about some of these groups, right? And just understand for, for those of you listening, we are talking about the ideas and the claims that they that these people subscribe to. We are not talking down on people specifically when we discuss these things. I always have to preface this because when I discuss uh, Santeria, um, I, I get called like colonizer all the time uh, because like, oh, what do you, you don't know anything about this. And I'm like, yo, I was in this for like seven years. You don't know anything about this. Uh, so let's break down what those specific groups believe just in a general sense. We don't got to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, so one of the things that most of these groups have in common is they see Christianity as the white man's religion. Um, Hebrew Israelites, if you if you first look at them from the outside, it's like, okay, they're reading the Bible and they seem to really think that what's in this Bible is important. Are they a Christian group? And then they start talking and you start to realize probably not. Now, I do want to preface that there are different types of Hebrew Israelites. So you have more of your, your One West, I think, Vocab is probably the one who gave them that name, but the One West Hebrew Israelites, because their school came from One, one West in New York, the school is in New York. Um, so those are more the ones who are going to be yelling at people and screaming at folks on the side of the street. But then you have your more um, moderate Hebrew Israelites. To me, these are the ones that are maybe a little bit more dangerous because they come across more Christian so they might they'll probably go to church and say well i'm i identify as hebrew like i'm we are the people of the book so basically all hebrew israelites believe that deuteronomy 28 is is their proof that they are the true jews of the bible or the israelites of the bible for lack of a better word so they use deuteronomy 28 as a proof text because they say these curses um resemble what happened in the african-american or the african slave trade transatlantic slave trade so we must be those people. And so they emphasize law keeping. Of course, they hate Christianity. Any holiday that isn't like their feast days, they'll say is a pagan holiday. So there's heavy emphasis on law keeping, Sabbath keeping, and pretty much anything that's Christianity, like tr the Trinity. There is no Trinity in, he in the Hebrew Israelite world. They love the Apocrypha. So those are just some things that you can look out for if you're trying to determine whether or not you're talking to a Hebrew Israelite. Also, they like to wear interesting clothing sometimes, like fringes and all this type of stuff. So that's the Hebrew Israelite group. Uh, the Kemets, I'm not really like the, you know, scholar on Kemeticism, but it's it goes back to Egypt. And so they're learning about all this Egyptology. But a lot of them really, at the end of the day, are they're just atheists. Atheists is like a religious type of atheism. So if you ask them about God, it's very like the black woman might be God or, you know, all black people are gods, that type of stuff. Um, and then the other group that I mentioned, who's the Nation of Islam? I mean, I think most people kind of understand Nation of Islam is a cult um, outside of Orthodox Islam. So while it, they all say that they're Muslim, the Nation of Islam people do not believe the same thing as like a, you know, Orthodox Muslim. And yeah, I think, did I cover all the groups that I mentioned? Let me know if I missed anyone. I, I think so. I, th I think the conscious community kind of pulls in with the, um, with the comedic spirituality uh, going all the way back to, to Egypt and stuff. I have, uh, as I was telling you before we went live, I have um, a friend who was in that stuff and just got baptized. So super 
super excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and the, the African spirituality, which uh, yes. could be different from, from, cause Kemet is more so the Egyptology stuff, but African spirituality, that's when you're getting into like Yoruba and Ifa, and I'm still doing research on this, but these are the folks that, um, they, they look to the Orishas as like their, <laughs> their higher power. And they'll sacrifice to them and they'll say, you know, I don't I don't need Jesus because our people were worshiping Orishas before Jesus existed and all this and that. So, yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I speak a, a lot of uh, on Santeria because I was involved in it. I used it as like a, I didn't even really believe it too much, except I had some mad, crazy, uh, demonic experiences that I was like, oh, no, nah, this there's something to this. Mm -hmm. um, but I was using it as a good luck charm because they told me that if I just do these things, they'll give me, uh, you know, I'll be a famous rapper and all of this stuff and I'll get all the money and all the women and all this. It's so funny how they will claim to be from God and then give you all of your sinful desires. Like that's what they say they will give you. Um, mm -hmm. That should have been my first red flag, but that's what happens when you don't read the Bible and you don't know what the Bible actually says, right? Yeah. So in Santeria, they take the Orishas and they disguise them as saints you know, as Roman Catholic saints. So when I was involved in Santeria, I didn't even know that this was connected to African spirituality and the Yoruba religions. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I, when I went and researched and I found that stuff out, I was like, wait a minute. So like this, this isn't St. Michael. Like this isn't like, I was just blown away. And that's how deceptive these things uh, these things can be. So mm -hmm. tell us um, if somebody is unaware of this, right? And has no idea where to start when it comes to the differences between what these, uh, you know, what these, I, I guess you could call them cults, say about Jesus and who Jesus actually is and the claims about the Bible being corrupted and, and uh, being a white man's religion when in fact it it's more African than anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you could just talk on that for a little bit. Yeah. So I would recommend that anyone who wants to do any type of evangelism, make sure that you understand the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I think people get often to these groups because they really don't have their own faith like solidified. So make sure that you know what the Bible says about eternal life, salvation, who is Jesus, what does the Trinity mean, all these things. And at that point, then I would say, get some apologetics books. One of the first ones that I read that was super helpful was Frank Turek's I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And yep. I love that one because although it is about atheism, we're talking about urban apologetics, but it helps you learn how to think, how to recognize self-defeating statements and all false religions are going to have contradictory beliefs. So as Christians, we just have to be on the lookout for those consistent contradictory beliefs. So get that book for sure. Um, if you specifically want to get into urban apologetics, there's tons of books you can read, but uh, Pastor Eric Mason released a book that he edited with several other authors and, and they did the unspoken film, but it's called Urban Apologetics. That's a great place to start because it talks about Hebrew Israelism, Nation of Islam and African spirituality, because there's people 
the, the people who wrote those chapters were actually involved in those religions or at least know enough about it to write about it. So that's a great book. Um, but yeah, definitely get the gospel right and do as much research as you can. I mean, you can't, it's impossible to learn it all. Like the more you, <laughs> the more you learn about the faith and doctrine and theology and world history and how all these things like come together, you're like, there is no way that I can learn all of this stuff. But if you have someone in your life and you know, okay, I am, I'm assigned to this person. My friend is a Hebrew Israelite. So I'm going to learn as much as I can about Hebrew Israelism. And what you do is start asking them questions about their worldview. You know, you put a stone in their shoe. You don't have to expect them to convert the next day, the same day, whatever. It takes time. I listened to um, David Wood talk about him discipling Nabil Qureshi before he became a Christian because Nabil was a Muslim. He said it took him like four years of, of talking with him and, you know, them going through the scriptures and the Quran and the Hadith and all this before Nabil was like, okay, yeah, I think I want to be a Christian. Whereas the background that I come from, I know you asked me earlier, how'd you get into apologetics? One of the things that I used to love watching was Ray Comfort's Way of the Master, um, because you know, he was the one that really honed in, like, we are saved by grace. It's not that anything that we've done, but it's, it's everything that Jesus Christ did for us. So he was great in that, but some, I felt like sometimes in hindsight, I felt the pressure to see the person convert on just off one conversation. And we don't have to win the person in one conversation. We may not ever even see the conversion, but the next person who comes after you've been talking to them for five months or five years or whatever, they might get to see it. That's okay. Um, but the, the point is being diligent and listening to people, being open to hearing their, what they have to say, because what you don't want to do is argue something that they're not arguing. I think a lot of people get in trouble in that way. So if somebody's saying they're Hebrew Israelite, and you're telling them that they worship you know, this Egyptology stuff, like y'all talking past each other is not going to work, which now I think I've, I've gone way off the deep end, but I hope, what was the original question? <laughs> I think that, that, that the rabbit hole you went down was relevant to the beginning of it. So it's, it's, it's all good. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. So piggy, uh, diving back into what you said, uh, pastor, uh, I believe Eric Mason is his name, right? Yeah. Um, I've watched his stuff all the time. Uh, I also watched that unspoken documentary. That was really, really good. I think, uh, Jude, what is it? What is it Jude called? Lisa yeah. Fields. Yep. Jude, Jude three. Yep. That was very well put together. And, and if anybody is listening to this and you want to, you want to get a basic understanding of urban apologetics and some of the arguments for it, just watch the documentary. It's, it gives you a, a pretty good, um, baseline understanding of these arguments and it's so crazy i remember watching that how um i believe it was uh pastor mason was talking about that this whole comedic uh african egypt e egyptian spirituality actually goes back to white people like white people are the ones that that made this stuff up and started saying it and one of them is helena blavatsky and um, I stumbled ac across her when I was writing my book for, well, I stumbled across her when I got out of the law of attraction and I was digging into the, uh, the roots of it. But for my book specifically, I got, I dug more into her life and I'm like, wow, that's crazy how here I am on a whole other subject, right? Law of attraction all the way over here. And then watching this unspoken documentary and he's, he brings up Helena Blavatsky and I'm like, wow, the occult 
it all goes back to the same place. Mm-hmm. All goes back to the same place, which is Luciferianism and you believing that you are a god. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what um what are some of the arguments that you've had that 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 people have said to you that you've thought this is a pretty this is something I got to think about. Like somebody from uh you know maybe the conscious community or Hebrew Israelite or something that they hit you with something that you were like I got to go check that out. And then after you checked it out, what was the revelation that that you found? Oh, probably the, the Trinity. That's one of my favorite topics to discuss with people and do videos on because <laughs> that's something consistently across the board with a lot of these cults. They hate the Trinity. Yep. Um, so, one of the things that comes to mind, I had, I have a friend who's a Hebrew Israelite and I'm like, the Trinity is in the Bible. And so I went to, I can't remember where it is. I want to say it's in John or first John somewhere. It's the, the comma Joannin, you know, so it's that, that scripture that talks about the, there's three that bear witness in heaven, the spirit, the Holy spirit, the blood, the father and all that. But your Hebrew Israelites know that if you're reading that in the King James version, it's likely that a scribe added some of that to try to um, prove or to try to put Trinitarian doctrine in a passage that it, it wasn't there. So I'm like, you know, I believe the whole Bible. So if this passage isn't actually in the Bible, what do I do with that? So, you know, I, I read James, James White's books, James White's, <laughs> James White's book, The Forgotten Trinity. And so that was super eye-opening. And so I've, I've read a, a few other books on the Trinity and, you know, going through other scriptures like, okay, even if the Trinity isn't in that passage, it's still throughout the entire Bible. It's not revealed in the Old Testament. It's revealed plain as day in the New Testament, but you can still see hints of it in the Old Testament. So that was helpful. And now I feel a lot more comfortable with that. That's just one example. You know, sometimes it's tough talking about like law keeping and and Sabbath keeping because it's like, well, I mean, the Lord said the the Sabbath is going to be forever. But then you see passages passages in the New Testament. It's like, don't judge anybody according to a new moon or a Sabbath or, you know, some men hold this day holy and this day holy, but don't judge people on what day they, they deem holy. So those are two examples where I got some pushback and I just had to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, I've, I've definitely got pushback on, on the Trinity. That's, uh, that's the one thing they want, they want to go for. It doesn't matter what, uh, what cult you're talking to. They, they want to, you know, de-deify christ you know they right. they want to they want to bring him down a notch even if it's just like a tiny tiny little itsy bitsy notch they just want to bring him down i um while i was gone uh, my wife geo was here and some jehovah's witnesses came to the door and she had a whole conversation with them but she invited them back for me to sit down and talk with them so pray that that goes well i'm uh just trying to put a pebble in in their shoe i i, I know that it's difficult to um to get them out of uh, you know their way of thinking when you when you grow up in it and, and everything but uh so going back to the trinity right and and also nabil qureshi i read his uh i read half of one of his books and i read his seeking allah finding jesus right and he said something about the trinity that blew my mind and it was we all agree that monotheism is true right and if you look at how um islam describes Allah or God, 
they describe him as a, as a relational being, right? And these attributes are eternal. God's attributes are never changing, right? So if God is a relational being, who was he in relationship with in eternity past before the creation of man? Because you can only be a relational being if you have somebody to be in relationship with, right? So if monotheism is true and it's not a Trinitarian monotheistic view, then God's the, the characteristic of God that is relational is dependent on us humans. And that means that God is dependent on us. So the Trinity is actually the only thing that makes sense when you're thinking about God being a relational being, because if it's, if it's all the way into infinity past, he had to have been in relationship with somebody before the creation of man. And of course, we know Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When I read that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's good. Tell us about uh, some of these reaction videos that you've been doing. I, I really enjoy them. I, I think that your your personality on them is it's the correct tone, right? I feel like uh, when I listen to it, it's like my mom telling me, "Listen, boy, you know, she, like you love me, but you you think I'm stupid right now." That's how that's how it comes across, and it doesn't come across like you're attacking them as a person, but it's like. Say, like, yo, bro, you ain't you ain't think this one through. Like that's how it comes across. So, what what got you into doing stuff like that? And what's been some of your most fun ones? And have you gotten any of the people that you've made reactions to? Have you actually gotten into conversation with them? And have you had anybody reach out to you and was like, wow, you know, thank you for opening my mind about this? Whew. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you um, because I get a lot of pushback. You know, people are always telling me I'm judgmental and like, you know, yada da 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 da. da. So I'm like, Lord, I'm trying Welcome. to not be. I'm trying to not be the angry Christian who's making people feel bad. But I just, I just want the truth to be out there. And if someone's gonna make an argument, and I can see clearly what's wrong with the argument, hey, why not speak to it, right? The thing is, by nature, I'm like. I'm actually more of like an introverted type of timid person, but I get frustrated when I see these videos and I know they're wreaking havoc on people's eternal salvation. People haven't really thought these things through. So the first few times I was like, oh man, somebody's going to say something, something bad and it's going to be bad. But you know, I, my first, the first thing that kind of blew up, like the first big, like, uh oh, I think I have stung the, the wasp's nest or the hornet's nest. Um, there's a progressive, a progressive Christian. Um, her name is Candace Bimbo. And so me and some of my girlfriends who are like, just still just theologians, I'm not going to say I'm the theologian, I'm going to say they're the theologians, because they're just they just that good, right. So we heard Candace do an interview on Kevin stages channel. And he just was kind of sitting there just like letting her trash Christianity, historical, biblical Christianity. So we're like, we're going to talk about this. So we did a live stream on it. And a couple months later, she shares it on her page. And the next thing I know, I've got like 6,000 people commenting. And at that time, my platform was a lot smaller than it is now. So all of a sudden, I've got hundreds, thousands of people telling me how horrible we are. I'm a terrible, terrible person. You know, God's going to strike you down. All this, all this, whatever. So I start to notice, like, I don't know, two or three days went by and then it stopped. And it was over. And I thought, 
People have moved on. I was concerned about this. At the moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. But then the conversation moved. And so since then, I've had like, I don't know, 15 or 20 blowups. No one as big as her at the moment. But that was that was like training wheels for me. So it kind of gave me my confidence. Like, who are these people? You know, it's like David talking to Goliath. Like, who is this uncircumcised person coming against the armies <laughs> of the Lord? Right? Like, who, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> So, um, so that was the first big blow up. But then when I started to talk about the Greek life stuff on TikTok, I I had more opportunities to go one one on one with people. And of course, in the beginning, you're still like, how do I do this? Like, I I don't really know what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say what I feel led to say. And the more you do it, you just get comfortable doing it. But thus far, I don't think I've really won won any of them over. I think that's one of the dangerous things about social media is because everyone has a platform now, it gives you that pride. You just feel like I have to win. I have to be right, even if I know I'm not right. I have to save face, even if I know I'm wrong, even if I know I'm deceiving people. And I don't I don't appreciate that. I think it's cowardly. I think it's whack, yo. Okay, I think it's whack. I think it's lame. But people do it. And so I think even if they hear me giving good arguments, a lot of them just will never admit it. I pray for these folks. I, I sincerely pray for them because I know like what God says about false teachers, like it's that's not gonna be good for you, right? But I think I'm hoping that more Christians will be more outspoken. And, and have that confidence because what do we have to be afraid of? We have the opportunity to, to spread the gospel using all this technology. Me and you pray before the live stream, like, Lord, thank you for this technology. We get to, we get to speak on your behalf. Like that's amazing. So yeah, I do it because I love God. I love God's people. And I, don't, I can't remember if I answered all the questions, but that's kind of how I got into the, arguing with Greeks arguing with progressive Christians. And also the Hebrew Israelites kind of gave me a, a nice introduction to how mean the internet is. But at the end of the day, people yell at you for five minutes and they move on to something else. And then at the, the gospel still got preached. You know, last week, Jackie Hill Perry went viral. I did a, a couple videos on that and people are bad talking to her or whatever. But because she said that, they shared her video on their secular platforms. Yep. How awesome is that? I don't care if 50,000 people think that she's a horrible person. I know not all 50,000 of those people rejected the gospel. Somebody heard it, you know, even sharing me. I'm like, hey, I get to share the gospel on this person's platform. So praise God. Yeah, it's it's awesome to, I, I think about, you know, when, when we move from this life to the next life, I, I'm praying that God shows us, you know, all of the, all of the people who join the family because of things that we've done. And I, I don't mean it from like a, a pride, you know, I, I just want to see how much I did, you know, just, just to know that the work didn't go, it wasn't in vain, you know? And because like you, I, I've gotten tons of backlash and it's funny how you said it like kind of progresses, you know, and then you, you just get to a point where it's like, yeah, whatever. When I first, yo, when I first, uh, on like some Mike Todd stuff and, and, and got commented back on it. I felt like I had to answer everybody, right? Like I really did. Yeah. And um, now I'm like, I read it and I just want to type like, shut up nerd. That's uh, that's what my boy Matt, uh, my boy Matt says that I should say, but I'm like, ah, I just, I let it go. And that's the point you got to get to because 
going back to what you yeah. said, you just want to put a pebble in somebody's shoe. You know, you're you're not going to win somebody right away. I mean, maybe, yeah, but putting a pebble in somebody's shoe and then somebody else comes put another one. Somebody else comes and put another one. Somebody That's how I was converted. It was pebble after pebble after pebble after pebble and then me just being like, okay, let's do this thing, you know? So we, we just got to keep at it. So let's get into the Greek stuff, right? Um, that is something that I think is, it's a blind spot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so let's dig into that. I believe you were on Cultish talking about this too, right? Yes. Well, on Cultish, I was on their Instagram. Um, we more so talked about more more so Freemasonry. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All but right. <laughs> Greek Col- life. I go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Cultish is is good people, but continue, continue. Yeah. Yeah, I love cultures like Jeff Durbin. Like, there's so many reasons why I'm in apologetics from Ray Comfort, Jeff Durbin, all these different people. Um, but how did I get it? I had I had a comment. I had a commenter ask me, what do you think about black fraternities and sororities? And I was kind of nervous about that one because I know that's a touchy subject, um, especially in the black community, because Greek fraternities and sororities is a lifelong commitment. Like, and a lot of people who are in it, it's like, it's not just you, it's your husband, it's your kids, it's your sisters, it's your brothers. Like, this is something that the whole family can participate in for generations. You know, everybody on your deacon board might be Greek. So it's it's close to the heart. And because they contributed so much to um, the civil rights movement, like people really, really appreciate these Black Greek fraternities and sororities. But I had some, like I said, I I had some reasons why I was like kind of nervous to talk about it. One reason being I tried to become one when I was in college and it did not turn out well. Actually did a video about it. Like I got rejected and humiliated and I took it quite personal. But years later, I'm like, okay, this person gave me this question. I don't want to say it's wrong just because I didn't get accepted because that that wouldn't be right that I would be forfeiting my own integrity and I didn't want to do that plus I'm like hey if there's nothing wrong with it I can still you know if I still want to try to play it somewhere else like I can still do it right but I start reading their material and their rituals and I'm like comparing it to scripture and I'm like I know there's Christians who would debate me on this. I will let them have their convictions, but I personally believe that it's not good for Christians for several reasons. Um, I think it teaches you how to play favorites with people. And God is already like, we, you know, there's no Jew nor Gentile. It's funny, like you got the Hebrew Israelites trying to be Jews and you got fraternities and sororities trying to be Gentiles. We Greek, right? Like God says, we're all one in Christ Jesus. So it's a hierarchy that I don't like. You even see it in churches. So you're giving favors to people just based on you're in this fraternity or sorority or whatever. But the religious aspect of it, you have rituals that are demeaning who Jesus is. Like, I I think it's the alpha ritual. They put Ephesians 4 in there. They take all the verses out about Jesus. And then Ephesians 4 is really talking about Jesus and the church. And they flip it. If you read it in context of that booklet, they flip it to make the brothers, not the church, but their fraternity. So really, in essence, you're telling people that because they're in this fraternity, that they are Christians. Like there's there's no salvation in being in this fraternity. So I have a heart for this group because I feel like it's a it's a cult that kind of 
does a great job of not looking like a cult because so many Christians are in it. Like I genuinely believe that there are good, solid Orthodox Christians in these groups. I personally believe that they are not good for Christians. So I wanted to be honest. I've also seen some videos online that kind of disturbed me. I feel like people kind of have, um, what's the right word? Sensationalized it too much. Like when you're getting off into like demonology and spirituality and like the Lord told me that if you don't get out of this organization, he's gonna strike your family with cancer, you know, just weird kind of stuff. And I'm like, hold on, you know, let's look at this. Let's, let's take a scholarly look at it. So what I did was read books written by people in these organizations. And I said, okay, well, you're saying this, like your Delta ritual says that when you get to heaven or not the ritual, but in this book, they, they have a chant where it says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to show St. Peter my Delta pin. And that's how I'm going to get in. Like these are, (laughs) these are salvation issues at this point. So yeah, I I just wanted to give people like, I, I wanted to show like what these organizations really are about look at them for what they are and really challenge Christians who are in them to be honest about what they're saying and what they're doing. Because I, I feel like it's a, a shoe, a rock in the shoe of college students. They can't, they don't see that they are living in lasciviousness and they're living in a way that's contrary to the Bible because this organization is telling them that they're already Christian and they've got that some of these people are chaplains they're like i'm a chaplain in my chapter of course i'm a christian but really you ask them basic questions about theology like they can't answer them they can't answer them so yeah i I think it's a stumbling block i don't like it people get hurt you know hazing is a is a huge issue in those organizations has been for a hundred years at this point so yeah i talk about greek life i plan on doing more videos about there's so much to say and so it's one of my favorite topics do you feel that it's um that it can also just become idolatrous you know putting mm-hmm. putting the fraternity in a sense before god let's say you're you're somebody who is a christian in your word and everything and then maybe you get into this because you've heard that if you get into it now you have a, a network right because mm-hmm. that's that's one of the appeals it's one of the appeals to the the freemasons as well you know you get involved and now you have these connections and i'm all about networking but I'm not going to go join a cult, like just, <laughs> just, just to network, you know, like for the sole purpose of doing, it. I'm not going to go get hazed just for the network. You know, I'm just not going to do it. Um, so do you think that it can just become an idol for people? Absolutely. Because it, it teaches you how to be prideful. I remember when I was in school, like the things that people would do to get into these organizations, even the things that I, I remember my friend and I, because we wanted to do it together. So she said, well, you know, normally what people do is when they see the poster grow up, you you'd snatch it down so no one else can go to the meeting, right? So we're going across campus. Sorry, friend, I'm telling the secret. We're going across campus, taking these signs down. Like what, how was how that inte- integral, right? Like we're trying to rip somebody else's opportunity away so that we can get it. It's already conditioning you to make it about you. Now, I know most people didn't do that. A lot of people didn't do that. So maybe that's my own problem. But that's just one instance. It's it's so, uh, it can be very superficial. You know, you have girls who are saying, well, if you have this type of reputation or if you've done this, like it has nothing to do, it might not have anything to do with your grades or your community service. If they just don't like you, oh, my boyfriend liked you or this guy that I'm interested in liked you, so therefore you can't get in. 
Like that's that's awful. So you're choosing favorites and they can just be so mean. I know all of them are not mean. I have friends who are Greek and we laugh about this kind of stuff now because in hindsight, it's like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But when you're in college, it feels like a big deal. And so many people compromise their faith. Maybe if they don't even really have a faith because they're trying to get into this group. But to answer your question, yes, even with the, the Greek gods and goddesses, I don't normally like to make that argument because I believe people will say, well, I don't, I don't bow down to this Greek goddess, that Greek goddess. I don't like to make that argument, but it does become a thing where, you know, this is more important to me than how I treat my neighbor. And Jesus said, we're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And ultimately I think it teaches you how to not do that. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also rivalries between different fraternities, correct? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the only time that I've really seen them come together and be like, we love each other is when they are attacking people who are not Greek. <laughs> so when I do a video about them, then of course all of them will say, oh, you know, like, you know, we in this together, let's, let's get her. But they'll say awful things about each other. There are like little, little rivalries on campus. Some of them are funny, but some of them are like, some of them really don't like each up. Like they cannot stand each other. And even some of the people within the same fraternity, because you have, because of the hazing. So if, if you're a part of the group that gets hazed, but there's another group that chooses not to get hazed, there's a separation there because they feel like you didn't earn it. So some of these people are just like, they get in these organizations, but they're still isolated because someone doesn't think that they earned their spot by, by taking whatever type of abuse that everyone else did to get in. And hazing can also involve sin, correct? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it can, it, you can be pressured into sinning. Like if you're somebody who doesn't drink, you know, I know that sometimes they'll make you drink a lot or, or things like that. So what are some of the, the things in hazing that could borderline or be actual sin? So if you're a Christian and you're trying to get into this, you're now wrestling with the, well, you know, all right, I'm just, I'm just going to do this to just to get in and then I won't ever do it again. I, some of my guy friends in college told me that as a part of their hazing ritual, they had to go to Walmart and steal white underwear. They had to steal to do this hazing ritual for a Christian organization. It's like, okay, that's not, y'all willing to go to jail for this? Okay. Um, hitting people. So they'll do like the paddling. Not everyone gets paddled, but it is a common thing that happens in Greek life. So, I mean, that's, that's assault. Some people are sexually assaulted. Um, oh my goodness. Cussing, you know, cussing is not good. Last time I checked, slapping people. I talked to um, a few Deltas or they used to be Deltas. They talked about how people would get spit on and slapped during these hazing nights and rituals. And so, yeah, there's a lot of bad things that people do just to get in. It's like a straight up contradiction. Like no Christian should participate in this activity. Yeah, that's that's a huge red flag for me. Um, it it goes back to when I was um, when I was involved in Santeria. You know, they were telling me that I can sin, and mm -hmm. that's just a. Uh, I wasn't a Christian uh, at that time, but that's just a huge red flag. If somebody is telling you to go, that's like Ten Commandments, buddy. Thou shall mm -hmm. not steal. You know, um, and, and it's something stupid. You know, like go get a, 
go get some white underwear. It's, it's really stupid and it's, it's funny, but it's still sin, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not funny to God and it's not funny to compromise your character, especially when we're supposed to do our best to live a to walk with Christ and, and be a good representative of Christ for people on the outside looking in, uh, compromising your values uh, and your integrity just to get into a club. That's not very Christian. Absolutely right. And especially if, if you have to participate in rituals that butcher the scriptures, you mm-hmm. know, when you know, the Bible clearly says don't, you're not supposed to alter the Bible at all. Like that's a huge no-no. But in all of the rituals that I've read, they are altering these scriptures to make verses about the church and about Jesus about them. It's It's awful. Yeah, that's that's bananas to me. But I'm glad that you're that you're talking about this and and you're bringing light to it. I'm excited for for you to dig deeper on it and and expose it a little bit more, just so that way people are aware. You know, even if you save one person from going, that's that's a win. That's an eternal win. You know, especially if because some of them are worse than others. You know, and if if you get into one that's really bad that's really pressuring you into doing things that are outside of your integrity beyond just stealing some, you know, white underwear, there's crazier stuff. So if you just save one person from going through that, that's, that's an eternal win right there. There, There's gotta be like a crown in heaven for, um, like, Hey, you got them to not go to a sorority, you know? (laughs) I hope so. Because like, again, I know what it's like to be in college. The first few years I was in college was culture shock. It was hard. I felt very, very lonely. So I'm like, God, like I'm just trying to do something so I can make some friends. Yeah. But that would have been the wrong way to do it. People got hurt, like seriously hurt. I know a friend of mine, like he got injured pretty bad trying to get into the fraternity. And then at the end of the day, he didn't even get in because of those injuries. And then once he once he was off of like once he was separated from the process, they treated him like a you know, like a social bride. He ended up leaving school. He had, he had to go to a different school. So that's crazy. That is cult like that mm-hmm. stuff right there. That excommunication excommunication is a, is a clear sign that you're in a cult. If mm-hmm. you leave it and people leave you, you were in a cult. Mm-hmm. It's just, just how it is. Um, yeah. it's scary stuff. So we're coming up on an hour, right? Uh, I just, before we close out, I wanted to just ask you, what were some of the difficulties, you know, growing up in the church and then getting thrown into college, minus the whole sorority thing, going there and then getting kind of bombarded with, you know, college thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And being surrounded by sin. I did one semester in, in college, um, you know, on campus, right? So that was some wild stuff. When, when I was, I, I used it as like a place to live. I went to class like three times, but I went to all the parties, you know? Yeah. So, but I wasn't a Christian. I couldn't imagine. I think about the college parties I went to and there was nobody else on campus. They were all going to these parties. So if you, if you're like a Bible believing Christian that doesn't do this stuff, you're alone. Mm-hmm. So how was that experience for you? What were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you, you know, stay rooted 
in in your beliefs in Christ. I'm working with uh, youth right now. I'm, a, I'm in youth ministry, volunteering there, and some of these kids are going off to college. So I kind of just want to want to hear from somebody who grew up in the church, went to college. How did you stay rooted in Christ? I would say I, I really didn't have a lot of Christian friends in college. So if I could give anyone any advice, when you go to that college campus, find a Christian organization to get a part of. And even if it says it's Christian organization, if the people in that organization are wilding out, find something else, find a church, find a good church. And I know that's tough too, because the, the church that was around the corner from my school that, that all the black people went to, like, I don't really feel like it was a church. I feel like it was just, you know, it it checked the box. You, yeah. you can feel like you went to church on Sundays, but I really wish I had that community and I did not. So it was like, I went to a few parties because I said, I'm not a dancer. So I always felt like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? But I could say, okay, but I went to the party. I had the experience. It was, again, sometimes I was really lonely. And then sometimes, you know, I, did, I was like, I totally compromised. I totally shouldn't have went here. Shouldn't have, you know, just shouldn't have, right? But um, one of the things that kept me grounded was definitely reading the word. And then when you make mistakes and you have to deal with those consequences, it's always a reminder of like, you know, remember that God is there and that you need to be trying to follow him because when you don't follow him, you have to deal with the consequences. And a lot of these consequences just aren't worth it, right? So even if you lose friends or whatever, it's, it's better to just do things the right way so then you don't have to deal with what ifs and all this kind of stuff. Like it just, it was not worth it. So definitely get in community, maybe even do your research, decide where you're going to go to college and see, like maybe scope it out beforehand. So if there's not any good churches in the area that you want to go to school, maybe that's not the right school for you. I mean, I don't know, just having a good church community, I think would have, would have been a lot more helpful than I probably wouldn't have tried to get into a Greek fraternity or sorority or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that I went in college as a Christian, but it was a huge culture shock for sure. So be mindful of that. Um, I would love for churches to maybe train their kids before they go off. Like this is going to be difficult. Don't press into the culture of college life, even if it feels like that's the right thing to do. Cause people are getting hurt on college campuses. People are getting all kinds of SEDs, you know. By the time I was at my second year, like most of my friends from, from my hometown had already dropped out because they were just partying. Like you, you just wasted your time basically. Like you go to college to, to not even finish. Like what's, what is that? So yeah, I hope that's helpful. No, it's definitely helpful. I, I just did an interview with Doreen Virtue and she said, if you can't find a local church, a, a good local church, move. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dang, but word. Like yeah. that's, it's so important. My walk with Christ was night and day when I found a good church to plug into. Mm -hmm. When you get around a body of believers who are not just going to church to check off the box, but are going to church because they want to walk the walk and they want a relationship with Christ. When you get around that, there's nothing like it. And I, I pray that everybody listening finds that mm -hmm. because it's the benefits of it are immeasurable. It'll change your life completely life-changing and one of the beautiful things that i've learned um since i've been digging more into theology and apologetics and all that is you know when you're growing up and you're you're learning about the faith you see what you can't do you can't do this you can't do that but the older i get i'm like the freedoms that we have in christ are like are vast 
they are vast. What the enemy does is try to make the boundaries that God places on us for our protection. The enemy wants to make those look like, you know, something that that's bad. It's like God's trying to keep something from you when he's not. But there's so many things that we can do for Christ. You know, God has given us all these gifts so that we can glorify him with it. And when you use the gifts that God gives you for his glory, you'd be amazed at how impactful that can be, how fulfilling it is. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> I think I went down another rabbit hole, but there's Not, freedom in Christ. Yes. I, I think you started preaching. I think that's uh, <laughs> I think that's what just happened. But uh, anyway, we're, we're coming up on the hour. I just want to say thank you so much. We definitely got to have you back on. Um, and I gotta but, have you on my channel because I want to hear about this Santeria experience. Like I want the, the tea. <laughs> There's a lot of tea, a lot of tea. Um, to prepare for that, go watch the the cultish episodes I did. We we went pretty deep uh, in it, but yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm definitely down, and I, I look forward to it. I, I it would be an honor to be on your channel. But um, with that being said, tell people where they can find you. Sure. So I have a YouTube channel. It's Miss Titus 2 on YouTube. Titus is spelled with a Y-T-Y-T-U-S. I'm also on TikTok and Instagram. It's just Miss Titus on those platforms. So yeah, would love for you guys to come on, check out my content and just engage and share your thoughts. And yeah, check me out. All right, and I will be leaving uh, the link to her YouTube in this. Well, she's tagged in this video, but if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, or uh, those are the only two that I really know. So if you're listening to this on something else, thank you. Um, but uh, I'll be leaving the uh, her YouTube in the description over there as well. So with that being said, tomorrow night I'm interviewing Samuel Perez, the next night i'm interviewing his story is crazy as an ex-gay stripper um you know now turned evangelist so we're going to be digging into his story and also um dealing with same-sex attraction uh as a christian you know it's going to be a pretty pretty deep dive uh hopefully my neighbor's dog skips out on that one um then uh we will be the next day we're interviewing johnny root from tp usa Turning Point USA, and we're going to be discussing the idol worship of American Christians worshiping Trump. And uh, yeah, so we're going to have some good discussions. So make sure you guys tune into that. Make sure you tune into everything that Miss Titus is doing. And thank you so much for being here. Chat, thank you for engaging. And God bless. We will see you on the next one.